eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined, as always, by Perry Goldstein and... As we sit and we wait for Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> trade news, we figured that uh, we may as well talk about free agents. I mean, the first wave kind of hit us last week. We talked about all the moves around the NFC North, and then more moves around the NFC North happened right after we finished recording, as per usual. Um, but the Packers have been really quiet. They signed a long snapper. They signed a safety who we could talk about a little bit, who has more special teams experience really than anything else. But yeah, I mean, this roster as it stands, the Packers have about $24 million in cap space at this point, so could potentially make some free agent moves if they so choose. But until we really know what the compensation looks like from the yeah. Jets, it's it's hard to know, right, if they're going to yeah. invest draft picks, if players are coming. So how are you doing, Perry? <laughs> oh, you know, it's a Tuesday. Still waiting for Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm with you, though. It is a little bit hard for the Packers to make any, like, real moves. Not that I think that either you or I expected them to, given where their their cap's actually better than I thought it would. I'm, but I'm amazed. I have a couple of thoughts about what you just said. First is they really loaded up on special teams. Um, obviously, they gave Rich Pisaccia that promotion. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or just the fact that the Packers have very much needed to kind of have this rebuild on special teams. And we saw, like, improvement in year one with Rich. Now, you know, they're bringing back guys who performed really well. They're signing some others who have ties to him. So that's kind of where the free agent signings have stayed in that realm of ball. Um, But when we say 24 million, I think for me, it helps clarify. And it was actually my dad who did this because he was like, it sounds like a lot. Don't get too excited. You know, you have to leave about 12 million of that for draft picks, right? right? So that already cuts you in half. Um, And then another like, he he outlined another like seven or eight, right? That gets allocated probably in potential like 
you have to save some for mid-year if you want to sign anybody, et cetera. They've, they've done like all the restructures they really can. So it actually only leaves the Packers with like, I want to say around eight or nine million to do anything with, which is plenty if you want to go sign maybe like a one-year kind of vet deal. Um, I mean, that's exactly what Dalton Schultz got, right, with the Texans. But I, again, back to the Rodgers situation, I think it would be really hard for the Packers to be in on any names that you or I or our listeners are like keen on, um, just given that they have no idea what they're going to have. They have no idea what they're going to be taking on, right? I think a lot of the holdup with Rodgers is compensation for his contract. And I'm sure the Packers are doing everything they possibly can to offload all of it and not take on more dead money. But I just can't see them going in on a player and then potentially leaving themselves with like literally zero dollars. Yeah. And I think it's really going to depend too on, you know, if guys like Adrian Amos take a pay cut. I mean, it sounded like there were reports earlier in the week about how the Packers were interested in him coming back. There were a couple other pieces that they were maybe interested in. And I think all that is really going to depend on, like you said, what this Rogers cap hit looks like, what they're able to offload, if there's any players maybe in the in the trade or if it's more just draft compensation but Tervarius Moore was their their move I guess in free agency so far unless you want to talk about a long snapper which I, I do think it matters right it's going to shore up the, thing to do. <laughs> but I mean it will shore up that special teams operation a little bit Mason Crosby had a bounce back year Pat O'Donnell looked pretty good he had a nice year for a punter yeah I think he had his career high almost in uh in mm-hmm. punts inside the 20 but yeah, doesn't hurt ever to, to shore up your operation. But Tervarius Moore, um, primarily a special teams player, was a third-round pick by the 49ers in 2018. Um, I think my favorite just random fact about him is that he only has one career interception, and it was against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. No way. <laughs> you have to have one on your resume. That's a, a pretty good one to have. That's um, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Darius Slay never picking off Aaron Rodgers, but somehow uh, Kirby Joseph has like three. (laughs) Exactly. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think that's a good segue, I guess, into. So the safeties, obviously, we know struggled quite a bit in 2022. Um, I told you pre-show, I just had to break down all these numbers for the Cheesehead TV draft guide, the positional analysis. So they're all like very fresh and you don't really think about maybe how much some of these players struggled until you like really look at the numbers. Adrian Amos had one of the worst seasons of his career, which I mean, he seemed steady. He still didn't miss that many tackles. Like he was a sure tackler when you needed him to be, but he had a 107.7 passer rating when targeted, which was the highest of his career. And Darnell Savage had a passer rating when targeted of 114.2, which somehow wasn't even as bad as how he performed last season. So that's a room that's got a, got to see improvement. And I don't know if Tavarius Moore is going to be that guy. I think he could be more of like a Dell and Levitt replacement as far as depth and special teams prowess. Rudy Ford came back after leading the entire safeties unit with three picks, which is really interesting, but they need some help there desperately, regardless of, you know, who comes in, if it's a draft pick or a free agent, that room is getting an overhaul. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, I just, I feel like the saying of, you know, picking for need versus picking for best available is really apt here because 
you've kind of seen the writing on the wall with the safety group for a couple of seasons now, at least for sure last off season. So it just feels like the Packers have put themselves in not the best position to rebuild this unit. It doesn't take one season right. to rebuild an entire position group. Like look at what the linebackers, right? They're just now two, three seasons in like Brian Gutekunst has spent a lot of time, like looking for guys for that position and now you're in a spot where, unfortunately, you pick up Darnell Savage's fifth-year option. We don't, unless he makes some miraculous jump, we don't think he's really even a starter on this roster. You've brought back some really nice depth pieces, right? Rudy Ford had a great season. We're happy about and excited about more. But you have no starter. And I think when a secondary that, should be quite strong when it, you look at the cornerback group. The safety position is really weighing it down, and it's going to cause, as I think we saw this past season, in communication issues and coverage breakdowns and all those kinds of things, like the same problems this year because the corners cannot also do the safety's jobs. And moving Rasul was not a thing. So the Packers, with very little money, are now pretty much just looking at the draft. And I don't really think there's like a crazy strong safety class in the draft either. And it's not really not like last year, not like last year, <laughs> right? Which they didn't take anybody. And I really wish, you know, they took Tariq Carpenter, but he's really just a special teams guy too. And now you're looking at a position where you could take the best safety available, right? At 15 or 13, depending on what draft pick you get for Rodgers. But that feels super rich to me. This just feels like a really lose-lose situation for them right now. Yeah, and I think the problem, too, is, I mean, it's not, I mean, right, we had, like, the Bengals safeties, Jesse Bates. There were some really good safeties on the market, but they were never attainable for the Packers. So to put them, you know, they were never an option. Adrian Amos coming back, it sounds like the longer he's in free agency is an option. One player that I want to bang the drum for really quick on the show, never going to happen is John Johnson from Cleveland. And I don't know if there's any cap space available. I know there's some fans that would, you know, not approve of his missed tackles because he did have quite a few missed tackles, but I thought it was interesting. He was drafted in 2018 to the Rams and he played with actually 2017, but he played with Joe Barry when he was the assistant head coach and Matt LaFleur was the OC there. So there's some history there. There's some mm-hmm. fluidity there. He had just a really nice season for the Browns was very reliable on the back end. And I think that's the hard part now is, you know, Goody's always really big on these pairing young players with vets. So he paired, you know, Darnell Savage with Adrian Amos, but then at the same time, it means that their contracts come due at the same exact time. And then you have to kind of figure out what's next. And maybe like you said, Darnell Savage turns the page, but they're, they're going to need some help because I don't think that they can roll into the season with Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, to various more and a draft pick. You need some type of vet in that room. Yeah, 100%. No, I would not feel confident in that. And I'm sure the Packers don't. And I'm sure they have a plan of some kind. But to me, they've obviously are priced out of the top guys. And I think most, if you look at the available safeties at, uh, that are free agents this year, most of them are going back to the teams that they're with currently. Right. Jordan Poyer, we knew he was staying with the Bills. You already mentioned Jesse Bates. I was kind of banging on the drum for Jabril Peppers, Mm -hmm. but he re-signed with the Patriots at a two-year, $9 million deal. 
I I would love to see like the breakdown of that. That's a deal the Packers could have done this year, right? Yeah. They're not currently making those moves, or maybe you know they tried and and he decided to stay with the Patriots. We'll never know. Like there, I feel like there is availability, um, especially as time goes on. But I still wouldn't feel confident in the safety group, even if it remains the exact same as last season. I think if you stay the same, it, you're only getting worse. And again, I don't like having expectations of draft picks to be like super contributory. That's not a real word. Be super I, huge contributors like their yeah. their first year. Um, maybe that is a real word. I'm gonna have to look it up. But you know what I mean. Like I, I think that's a lot to put on a guy, especially in an already weak room. Oh, it is a real word. Look at you. It sounds kind of made up, but I like it. As an English Thank major, you. I feel like I should know. I feel like I should know the dictionary, but I don't. So right. <laughs> it says playing a part and bringing something about. Look at that! You brought that word into my life. Uh, into my lexicon um all right so let's shift a little bit from safeties one thing i want to talk about kind of briefly but i don't think it'll be you know necessarily i i for sure don't see it happening in free agency is the cornerbacks unit you and i talk about all the time how there are premium positions that brian gutekunst will invest heavily in we don't know the status of eric stokes it sounds like he'll be available for training camp maybe not the beginning of it but he should be able to to play this season if you take Stokes out of the picture, you have Jair Alexander, all pro Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, and Keyshawn Nixon, who played pretty well as your nickel. Beyond that, your depth is is suspect. Corey Ballantyne was re-signed by the Packers because he played over half of snaps on special teams. I think he played like 17 actual snaps on defense. And then you have Shamar, Jean, Shamar John Charles, who played three snaps on defense. And then the rest of your cornerbacks unit didn't play any snaps on defense. So the depth here, you know, barring some miracle that Eric Stokes is able to start the season, isn't necessarily what we would expect. The The, the starting unit is very good, especially if Eric yeah. Stokes is able to come back and bounce back. But if anybody goes down with an injury, that room all of a sudden doesn't have the depth that you'd look for at the next level, which is concerning. And Packers fans, don't be surprised if, you know, some a CB is the pick at 15. I, I say this all the time, right? Like the Packer, the reason I think you and I get some draft day things correct is because the Packers have a pattern and the Packers have clear positions where they covet in the first round. I just said safety, not one of them. I would be shocked. Maybe if there's a guy that's a general DB, right? Who can be moldable you can move him around maybe he plays in the slot who knows but you're absolutely correct I completely agree they could take a corner they would do it in a heartbeat we didn't think they needed Stokes all of a sudden they needed Stokes because Kevin King you know wasn't wasn't the guy and he started his rookie season and ended up just taking that position I think it's a position group that you should always have as much depth as possible and we have no idea what Stokes is going to look like when he, even when he does come back, right? Maybe he's on some kind of snap count or they have to ease him back. He had a really gruesome injury. Yeah. I think it was like a double leg break. Like ankle knee something. Yeah. Like really, really, really bad. So hearing that he's going to be available for training camp is even like shocking to me. Awesome. Like I'm sure he's attacking his rehab, et cetera, but 
cornerbacks too important. And it's just something that this team has always invested in. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think, you know, this episode maybe is premature in a sense because this feels like a really good episode that would happen after the draft, right? Where we know what the Packers have invested their resources in. And this is where they find guys like Devondre Campbell. They find guys like Keyshawn Nixon. Actually, I think Keyshawn Nixon was signed before the draft. But, you know, regardless, Goody is always kind of adding these like oh, little Rasool pieces. Yeah. And Rasul was midseason, which was even more impressive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great segue. Thank you for that. Because uh, the next position group that I want to talk about is the edge unit. And we've got Rashawn Gary. It sounds like he'll be available for the beginning of the season, which would be fantastic. I know rehabbing from an ACL tear. Not by experience, but I know that it's not an easy feat uh, by any means. So if he comes back, that's huge. Preston Smith had a pretty nice season as kind of edge one. You probably like him more as like an edge two, but in in his duty, he played well. Uh, JJ and Igbari played really well for a rookie, but again, there's there's not a lot of depth there, right? There's Jonathan Garvin, Ladarius Hamilton, and nothing. <laughs> so if you have any injuries, or if Rashawn Gary, like you alluded to, is on some type of snap count when he comes back from injury, your edge unit needs help. So once again, Packer fans at pick 15, don't be surprised if it's a corner or an edge rusher. Edge is easily my probably top choice if I had to guess like if you ask me what are the Packers going to take I would say edge because it's been a number of years since they took someone super high right Rashawn was the last one they're going to have to extend him they're going to have to pay him he's now about to become you know the two vet take a draft pick formula that we have seen Brad Gutekunst do right and again edge is one of those positions and I was going to mention this with corner and I think dovetails nicely both of these positions in free agency are high money these are expensive (laughs) positions and if you are the packers with no cap space you are not signing anybody as starting caliber at these positions unless you want to go and maybe get clays campbell who's like almost 40 years old which i actually would be fine with (laughs) i think that'd be kind of fun but they're not doing that right and again same as Stokes, Rashawn is coming back from an injury. I think Packers fans should now all be well aware of how difficult it can be to come back from an ACL tear as we just experienced with David Bakhtiari. And so to temper expectations now, different players, different positions, different ages, et cetera. But I, again, would be shocked if Rashawn was back for the start of the season. I don't know how you feel, but I, again, 
no matter what, we saw what happened to that unit after he left. They need backup. I think JJ Anagbari is a great piece and they got so much value out of him in the fifth round. But unlike safety and unlike corner, this draft class actually has a ton of edge, uh, top edge talent. So they're in a really nice position to actually do exactly what they did when they took Rashawn at 12 a couple of years ago. I think, and this is where I, I bring up like the free agent pool, quote unquote, and I'm not going to be surprised. You know, maybe it doesn't happen, but if the Packers bring back Justin Hollins, he played six games for the Packers. He had two and a half sacks and four quarterback hits in those six games, played 37% of defensive snaps. So if you're looking at somebody who can be like a rotational piece on spot duty while you give Preston Smith the bulk of snaps and let JJ develop until Rashawn comes back and you draft someone you're thinking in the first, you know, three rounds, first two days of the draft. I really, really like Justin Hollins. And, yeah. you know, I don't know what his contract looks like, but he's another guy that's kind of bounced around the league. And I think you could get him close to the vet minimum or just, you know, a really nice contract deal. So he feels very like Keyshawn Nixon, Rasul Douglas kind of deal to me where somebody would just come in and be a role player. Um, Whitney Merciless, you know, that yes. kind of kind of vibe. We loved, we loved the Whitney Merciless <laughs> In his signing. short time, we loved him so yeah. much. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Does Justin Hollins play special teams as well? Um, I believe he did play a little bit of special teams. Cool. So I just think though those are the kinds of signings that the Packers are going to be making. Um, it's not going to be anything splashy and and big. Um, and I think I thought Justin Hollins really kind of came on at, towards the end of the end of the season. He was fun. Yeah, he played he was- eight special team snaps. So apparently not that many, but not many. <laughs> you never know. Rich is going to turn them all into special teams players. I know whoever's drafted in the first round is just going to have to uh, have to take <laughs> that. But one position that I, if the Packers go through the draft process without taking anybody in free agency at this position i will flip the desk that i am recording on and it's the defensive line oh i knew you're gonna say that (laughs) you've got kenny clark pro bowler fantastic player kenny clark you know this is a star of the defense you've got Devontae wyatt who the packers invested a first round pick in then you have tj slayton a fifth round pick who we love jonathan ford a seventh round pick and chris slayton an undrafted free agent TJ Slayton is the only player in your reserves that has taken a defensive snap. Jonathan Ford and Chris Slayton have not taken a regular season snap in the NFL. That is not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> Especially knowing how long it takes defensive linemen to acclimate at the next level. I mean, Devontae Wyatt played 23% of snaps on defense as a first round pick as a rookie. You need, you need a vet at that point. Especially with Dean Lowry leaving, Jaron Reed left. Something's got to give. Ugh. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you let two guys walk who ended up actually getting like quite nice contracts mm-hmm. in their new spots, right? Jaron got more money in Seattle. Dean just signed with the Vikings, um, always in the division, always. Um, I'm hoping this is a sign that now we're going to get Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark just as like four down three down starters mm-hmm. um you would think that they started to add his kind of defensive snap count over the course of last his rookie last season month, yeah yeah and he looked really really nice in time but you're a hundred percent right and tj slayton is a great depth piece 
a great depth piece. He had awesome, awesome moments. But again, he's not a three down guy. And all of a sudden you're looking at a line that anybody gets hurt. Anybody gets hurt and you are screwed because Kenny can't take triple teams. He's a monster. He's a Superman, but he can only do so much. And we've been yelling and yelling for years now to get Kenny help. And they got Kenny help. And now the kind of extremities of the line are gone. So once again, we will yell, please get Kenny some more help. They got Kenny help. And then the help that he already had left. So once again, like, please, um, there's good, good prospects out there. I think um, I put on Twitter, Shelby Harris, Milwaukee native, by the way, come on home. Shelby Harris, come back okay, to Wisconsin. Like uh, still has juice at 31 years old. Um, started 15 games for Seattle, uh, two sacks, six quarterback hits, played 55% of defensive snaps. So I think that's kind of the, the key here too. Quentin Johnson, both Seattle prospects or players that, you know, were, were released, but Quentin Johnson turns 30 in a few weeks, played I might be turning 31, but he played in all 17 games for Seattle, had five and a half sacks, 13 quarterbacks, hit, eight, hits 18 pressures, played 49% of defensive snaps. So I think the key here is that any vet that comes in, they're not going to ask to play more than 50% of snaps. Your sweet spot's probably like the 40 to 50% range. So they're not asking them to do too much, but there just needs to be somebody else in the room. Yeah. You're because- looking for a role player here. Absolutely. Right? You have your two starter, you know, going to be on the field for 90 plus percent of snap guys already right now you're looking for a rotational role player and luckily those are much easier to find than the other two so you've done the hard part (laughs) now Goot and his scouts can do what i think they're actually very good at which is finding a middle ground sweet spot kind of street free agent to fill in the holes that they have agreed when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So let's flip it now to the offensive side of the ball because we're 25 minutes into the show. Oh, and dear. Somehow we've only talked about the defense, which is on, on par for us, I think. On par. <laughs> if you listen to our show, you're, you're used to this. But um, didn't realize, I guess, what the departures of Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb would do for the wide receiver room until I really took a look at the depth chart. You've got, obviously... We're excited, right? Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs are going to have really nice second year leaps. It sounds like, you know, there's been reports that they're flying out to California to throw and, you know, catch passes from Jordan Love, which is really exciting, which is really which cool. To love. About. But Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Toure are your, your starting three basically on offense at this point in the wide receiver room. 
the depth there is Bo Melton, who was a seventh-round pick from the Seahawks. It feels like it's a Seahawks podcast today. And then Jeff Cotton, who played one offensive snap for the Jaguars in 2021 and hasn't played since. <laughs> so that's Jeff your depth. Cotton sounds like a made-up person. <laughs> he sounds like a Madden creative player. Yeah, he sounds like he should be in Forrest Gump. Okay. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, here, here, this is the thing. Like, they've done so much. This is the same conversation we just had with defensive line. You've got your stars or you've got your your main focal points. And then all of a sudden, your role players are now gone. And, I, I mean, I would say always draft wide receivers. Yes. But, again, rookie wide receivers are really hit or miss. And it totally depends on kind of – how much development they were able to do and what kind of program they were at and what they were asked to do in college. And there's so many variables there that it's hard to imagine a rookie. You really look how long it took Christian Watson to get, to get to where he was in the middle of the season slot slot um, wide receiver to me should be like very high in this list. Super, super, super sneaky, like super need, right? Because you lost, both your slot guys, right? Randall Cobb, obviously, and I'm not talking about Amari Rogers. They used <laughs> Alan Lazard all the time in the slot as a big, like, move kind of tight end slot guy. So he did so much. I think it's like qu- going to be quietly very underrated losing him this season. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But you know, you you can't run an effective NFL offense anymore without a slot guy, and maybe there's someone in for agency but you're gonna have to draft someone i'm glad that you said that perry goldstein because i did find someone in free agency that i was who is it maggie (laughs) it's marquise goodwin and we don't have this scripted just saying (laughs) i know that he's 32 but he is absolutely an ideal slot receiver dude has blazing speed still at 32 years old Played 13 games for Seattle, started two games, but he had 387 yards, 27 receptions, and four touchdowns with 114 yards coming after the catch, which you know is something that Matt LaFleur just idolizes and looks for in his receivers. He had a 115.9 passer rating when he was targeted, which was the highest of his career, and he played on 51% of offensive snaps. So again, you're not looking for like somebody to come in and be an every snap guy. You're looking to replace the snaps of Randall Cobb. And Randall yes. Cobb is not coming back to the Packers. But he played, I, I want to say it was in the, the high 40s percentage of snaps for this offense. And I agree with you that Alan Lazard is you know, going to be an underrated loss. But give me Marquise Goodwin and then draft a couple more wide receivers. And I think that room with Jordan Love is going to thrive. I love that you came ready. I also am a huge (laughs) Marquise Goodwin fan, mostly for a lot of his off the field kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not philanthropy, but advocacy, I guess. He's a really, really, really good dude. Just like a, like a, there's a really big vet hole on the offensive side of the ball right now. It's pretty much just Aaron Jones and, David Bakhtiari and some of the offensive linemen, right? You're looking for someone to not just come in and perform on the field because obviously we need that 51% of snaps, a perfect role player. That's everything that you need. 
but you need some maturity in that room, absolutely. right? You, you absolutely need someone who's been there, who's done that and who fits the mold of a Packers player, a locker room guy. And he absolutely, absolutely is that. And I don't think that he would garner too high of a contract. So Goot, if you're listening to this, <laughs> if you listen to Pax, we, found, said. <laughs> we found you a solution. We're here. We're all about solutions on the Pax What She Said podcast. I was going to say, we've given him a lot of options. So hopefully mm-hmm. he takes one or two of them. Yeah. Randall Cobb played 44% of snaps. So perfect. Look at that. Exactly. Perfect. And then um, you can draft someone, right, and figure out where they go. Now, question for you, because this has been all over the timeline, and I definitely have an answer, but I'm curious, like, do you think they use pick 15 to take an offensive weapon? Maybe not a maybe not a wide receiver, but, like, either wide receiver, tight end. I think, like, my, my Packers brain could see – Brian Gutekunst taking a tight end at 15 to give Jordan Love a weapon, which will just completely blow up Twitter for starters. If he gets, if he gets, you know, Love a weapon at 15, it's going to blow up Twitter. But then my rational take brain says it's going to be an edge rusher or a corner. So I guess like I, I won't be surprised at all if they take a pass catcher, if it's like, you know, the, the wide receiver out of TCU, Love it. Not going to be upset by it. If it's Michael Myers from Notre Dame, not going to be upset by it. But I just, I think that it would shock me so much that I think it's just going to be an edge or a corner. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I would be shocked, like truly shocked if they did that. Um, Not for any of the narrative purposes, just because it's just not something that the Packers do. Um, Could I see... And this all depends on what they get back for Aaron Rodgers, right? But in my realistic mind, the Packers get some kind of second round pick in this draft. They then have pick 15, a second round pick, and I think it's pick 45. So that's a lot of top 50 capital, theoretically, to kind of move around. So while I can't see the Packers taking a pass catcher with 15, I can see them taking one later in the first round or moving up in the second round and taking one there because we haven't gotten to the tight end position. So we can seg into this, but either wide receiver or tight end are huge needs. And I don't even think we need to say why tight end is a huge need because they literally have Josiah DeGuara and an empty room. Oh, I'm sorry. They signed back Tyler Davis. So between what we just talked about and now this tight end group, it would behoove them to use one of those premium picks on a pass catcher because then you round things out with, you know, two guys in their second year who I think are going to be a great tandem after what we saw in their rookie season, a young tight end. And this is the season to take a tight end. Like, you want <laughs> like a good too. year, good year to need potentially multiple. Um, and then you've got yourself in a pretty nice position. Now, another thing I have been thinking about too, and I want your thoughts on this draft, you know, scenario, and this really turned into a draft show and not a free agent show, which I think is funny. Um, but like 
I don't know. The Packers could still be thinking long-term in this draft. Like I think going into 2023, it's fair to say the Packers are probably not going to be good and they're definitely not going to be contenders. And I don't think we should expect that. So it's okay to look at this and say, well, it takes a couple of years for tight ends to acclimate to the NFL. Yeah. Guess what? The Packers aren't probably going to be good at best, best case scenario, 2024. So I think it's okay if they use top capital to take a pass catcher, especially a tight end, because they know we're not really going to need, like we're going to need you at your best in a couple of seasons when we know we're actually going to be contenders. Thoughts? Maybe it's my beer. Okay. But my thought is that the, the bears made the super bowl with Rex Grossman. So I think that anything is possible in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I <think> okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think like, if we talk about like the building blocks on the defensive side of the ball, I think the offense is the really big question here. And obviously duh, you're switching quarterbacks, but I think going to Jordan love, like you said, definitely changes the strategy a little bit, especially if you think Jordan love can be the guy he's not just, you know, it's not really like a one-year deal. If, if you're shipping off Aaron Rodgers and you think Jordan love is going to be the guy, then you're giving yourself, you're opening the window back up and you're saying, Hey, right. we can give these time three or four years to develop. If Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback for the Packers, I think this draft looks entirely different, but I still think, I don't think the Packers are going to be the worst team in the division in 2023. I'll say that. I agree with you, but I totally agree with what you're saying with, this is not like we're holding the window open. We're in win now mode. Like right. the Packers can allow themselves to think of these picks in a bit of a, like a longer time frame and say like, it's okay if we take someone a little bit more developmental, it's okay if we decide we take, you know, a tight end that, like a Devonte Wyatt situation where maybe he only plays like 25% of snaps or he's not like the guy now, but we know that our window is open for at least two to three seasons. So, you know, we can, we can, I was going to say draft our strategy, <laughs> draft our strategy in that way. Right. I think it would, you're so right. If it was Aaron Rodgers, like we need guys who can contribute now. So I do have a question, though, while we're talking about wide receivers and tight ends. Do you think that you need a veteran in those rooms? Or do you think the Packers could go into the season with Josiah DeGuara as TE1 and Christian Watson as wide receiver one? And can you see a scenario where that's okay? Or is, in your opinion, do you need more leadership and more vet presence in those locker rooms? Mm, that's an interesting question. Do I think that the Packers would be okay with Josiah DeGuara as tight end one and Christian Watson as wide receiver one? Yeah, I do. Because Jordan Love has really good chemistry with Josiah. I actually think more than Rodgers ever had. And Christian Watson looked like a star last year. There's enough vet presence in the locker room as a whole, in my mind, that I think this team will be okay. You've got... It's heavy on the defense. So I think there is something to be said for having someone on the offensive side of the ball. Again, let's not discredit like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are 100% those guys. And I think they're great, great leaders. But I don't know. I'm kind of excited at the prospect of the Packers being super young. I, I just think it's it's really exciting to have a really young team who can kind of figure themselves out and 
you know, Aaron Nagler said this the other day, and it's something that I want to reiterate. It's like, it's time for new Packers fans to, or young Packers fans to find their new heroes. And I just think it's just such a good succinct way of saying like, we're turning over a new leaf. And if they don't have the vet, someone's going to step up into that role and maybe having that void open and allowing someone to do that is a good thing for this team in the long run. Yeah. And I, I, I was just curious. So I looked up on the Packers website, their roster. We're assuming Mason Crosby comes back at this point. But if Mason Crosby, for whatever reason, doesn't re-sign with the Packers, the oldest player on the roster will be Pat O'Donnell, the punter, who is 32. Otherwise, it's David Bakhtiari, who's 31. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a, there's yeah. a shift. And I think that yeah. happens when you have young quarterbacks. Yeah. And again, like... I'm excited to see how Jordan steps into that QB one role. So not that I, I, like I said before, I think there's very much something to be said for having a vet in a room with a bunch of young guys, but I do also think without one allowing your QB one to grow into that leadership role, he's not a vet, but he's also not a rookie, right? This will be year four. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's been in the league and, uh, I think he deserves like the the wiggle room to to become that guy. I agree, and I, I agree with you that I think you know Josiah Deguara is gonna gonna take a leap there. I will say, I didn't really you know I I don't know if there's any free agent tight ends that really would have moved the needle for the Packers. You could argue like Dalton Schultz would have. That there's a couple guys that maybe would have. Austin Hooper, yeah. I kind of like from the Titans. I thought he played well with the Falcons, and then had a couple okay seasons with Cleveland. Um, but I feel like the move is going to be somebody more like Drew Sample, who is basically a blocking tight end for the Bengals. So mm. Packer fans, if you're listening to this and the Packers signed Drew Sample on like a one-year, two-year deal, he's going to be your blocking tight end. Like that's a very good front office kind of move to give the room some veteran presence without actually taking that many offensive snaps. So I'm glad you say that because my guy is Foster Moreau. Didn't he visit the Bengals, actually? Like in, the recently, same, I think? in the same vein. Well, if that's the case, then we'll just do a little three-way swap. Because <laughs> um, Mercedes Lewis is probably going to go to the Raiders. Or the Jets. Probably the Jets, but might go to the Raiders. Yes. So yeah, let's just make a triangle. I guess there it does look like Foster Moreau. Oh, because he, he played... He went to LSU. So he's a Joe Burrow man's makes sense it does make sense i like that fit for them but would have liked it more for the packers yeah you think (laughs) you think that mercedes lewis is gone i would love for mercedes lewis to come back and i think that the packers front office and the coaching staff would just completely welcome him with like the most open arms but i think that he wants to be where rogers is or like Devontae. like i think he wants to be around his guys and you know at 39 years old I don't blame him. Like I would love to have him back in green Bay. I just don't see him wanting to return to green Bay. Yeah. I would say as like talking about that presence, <laughs> nobody better. There's just nobody better. And Matt LaFleur freaking loves him, but I agree with you. Any other thoughts before you wrap this one? It's getting kind of long, but yeah, I think again, a lot of this is contingent upon, what a trade with the Jets looks like. I know, you know, Packer fans want some of the Jets safeties, wide receivers, whatever happens, we're not going to know until on all that pen is to paper and 
hopefully that happens before the draft. I think it kind of has to, given, you know, the compensation that would be traded. But it's hard to know what the Packers are going to do until we find out what they're getting for Aaron Rodgers. It is true. This was fun. Um, I think this was a nice transition episode to get us like really in draft mode. Um, I don't know about you, but I've had a really hard time getting in the draft mindset this season. It's just been not at the forefront of, of, there's of, nothing else going on. I don't know how you're having a hard time. I getting know. Into it. Um, but now I feel like we're almost there. We're about a month out. It's time to take a look. Seize at these guys. I don't yet have a draft crush. So we will develop one in the next next month. I will say not that like this is, you know, some otherworldly unique take, but like I freaking love JSN. <laughs> like if they took him at 15, I'd be ecstatic. But again, right. that's a very mainstream, very mainstream uh, opinion. But I guess the next month or so, Welcome to the draft show. Yeah. Until we hear uh, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, it's it's all draft content here at Pax What She Said. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. That'll do it for us this week. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. We appreciate you always listening, downloading the show, subscribing, interacting with us on Twitter, everything you do that makes us love what we do. Um, and as always... Go pack up. Go pack up.